Good morning, everybody. Hope you are doing well. Um, hope that life is treating you well and everything's great. Um, aren't you excited for June 7th? I'm excited to get back together, to see people, and, and um, just to be together. So I, I hope that you'll um, come. I hope that you'll enjoy that time together. The plan right now is to meet outside um, so that we don't have to worry as much about the numbers and some of those type of regulation type things. And, and we'll still try to practice social distancing and, and do all that. But, but I'm glad to be together, glad to be able to hear each other's voices singing um, praises and, and worshiping the Lord. So I'm hoping you'll join us for that um, on June 7th. So excited about it. <clears throat> Today, we are going to continue on in Galatians uh, chapter 6. Um, we went through, made it through about four verses last time. And we're going to make it through a number of, of more verses this time. We're going to try to go through the end of the chapter. And so we'll see how that goes. I, I think we might be able to do it, but, but we'll just have to see. So um, I tell you what, let's, we're going to read the, the entire chapter, so get to Galatians chapter 6, um, somehow, some way, follow along with me, um, and we'll read through that, um, hopefully together. There's lots of good stuff in there, lots of good things to talk about, and so um, title of this sermon, I don't, you can see it I'm sure, is, is Boast in the Cross, and, and Paul talks about that's how, that's how, how that is all that he wants to do, is to boast in the cross, and so... Galatians chapter 6, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one uh, test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Uh, verse 7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. <clears throat> See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh." But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus." The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the day. Um, thank you for the opportunity to, to come together in this way um, through technology. And so, Lord God, I pray that you will bless this time. I pray that you will bless those who are listening um, this morning. I pray that um, their ears would be opened and their hearts would be softened. Soften my heart, 
Lord God, and help me um, to say what you want and nothing more, nothing less. And Lord God, be glorified by this time. God, please speak this morning. We love you and we praise you. You are good, you are right, and you are awesome, Lord God. So help us now as we look at your word. Thank you for it. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we stopped off last time in verse 4 and we talked about how um, comparison to others is, is futile, it's, it's worthless, it doesn't help anything. When we compare ourselves to others, we either feel superior or inferior, and we're not supposed to feel either of those ways. And so we need to let that go. And so that's kind of where we, where we stopped off um, in verse 4 last time. And so we're going to go on to, to verse 5. Verse 5 says, For each will have to bear his own load. Um, basically what this is meaning is we are responsible um, for ourselves and the measuring stick is not another person or what they've been doing. Um, it reminded me of the phrase, worry about yourself. And ever since I saw this video that I'm about to show you, I cannot hear this, the phrase, worry about yourself without thinking of this video. So I'm going to do that to you. <laughs> I'm going to show you this video and hopefully it'll show up. You'll be able to see it and, and at least hear it. And it's a little girl, if you can't tell, it's a little girl in a, in a car seat and she's trying to, to get the thing buckled. And if you've ever tried to do that, sometimes it's, it's almost impossible, it feels like. But she's trying to do it herself, and her dad's offering help, and this is kind of how that goes. So try to w watch this. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Can I help? No. Mm -hmm. Worry about You want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. I'll do this one, so I'm going to do that. You try! Worry about yourself! Go die! Stop! Okay, there's no real big theological meaning behind that that video um it's just the phrase that comes to mind when i hear when i hear the phrase or think of the phrase worry about yourself and in this regard we should worry about ourselves i shouldn't be thinking about others with with what he's talking about here it's not the same thing of what we just talked about last week right because it says here, for each will have to bear his own load. And sometimes you see that, bear your own load. And you're like, wait, I thought we talked about bearing one another's burdens. It's a different, it's a different load. It's not the same burden. What um, many people think, um, scholars and, and uh, biblical scholars think, is this is likely speaking to the fact that we're going to stand before Jesus um, at the judgment, before God at the judgment seat of Christ. Um, there... He's going to be looking at our works. He's going to look at what we did. And that's what I'm, when, when I'm saying worry about yourself, that's all we're going to have there, right? I'm not going to be able to compare myself to anybody else. That's not the standard. That's not what matters, okay? But he's not looking at us at that time at this judgment seat of Christ, and it's in various places in Scripture. Um, he's not looking at us at that time for our salvation or to punish us, it's, it's more of a time to look for rewards. Um, rewards for um, deeds done here on the earth. 
And that's when I'm saying, worry about yourself. That's all I've got. I can't, I can't rely on anybody else. I can't say, well, my family was a good um, at this time, and they did this or did that, all right? And, and that's what it is. You can't say, I was better than most, and expect that that will work. I need to be very clear again. This time at the judgment seat of Christ is not about salvation. Salvation, um, our, our, our worth is in Christ our acceptance by God is, is through Christ, right? That's what that is. Well, this is not that time. This is not the time when God's going to say, yes, you're saved, enter into heaven. No, you're not. I, I never knew you. This is not that time. This is a time that's, that's about works and, and rewards for works. You can read through the Bible. It talks about receiving various crowns and various rewards for good deeds, good works done. So that's what this is talking about. And I know that can be a little bit confusing, and we can talk more about that. But I just thought you may, you may see uh, verse 2 where it talks about bearing one another's burdens and then see verse 5 and say, oh, I'm supposed to only do my own self and, and worry about myself. We're talking about two different things with that. And so hopefully that makes sense. Verse 6, I basically just have a quote. Verse 6 says, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Um, the quote says, Passages like this are important yet can be awkward for the preacher. And that's true. Um, Martin Luther wrote, These passages are all meant to benefit us ministers. I must say, I do not find much pleasure in explaining these verses. I am made to appear, I am made to appear as if I'm speaking for my own benefit. And so, that's really all. I'm going to leave it at that. It's, it's in the Bible, so it's important. You should listen to it. You should, you should follow it. But I agree kind of with the quote, It's awkward for me to be on the other side of that, of, of teaching the Word and, and going that route. But it is important. Okay? So let's look at verse 7 and 8. We're going to talk about sowing and reaping. <clears throat> verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Remember back in chapter 5, there was, there was a long discussion about um, the fruit of the Spirit and, and kind of the fruit of the flesh or the works of the flesh, right? And so I'll remind you about some of those. Um, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Okay, so that's what you get. That's the work of the flesh. That's what the flesh looks like are things on this list. Okay, walking in the flesh leads to sin, and sin has consequences. Those things, we could go through the consequences. I mean, I'm just looking at a few. Drunkenness. Some of you have have seen people who, who drunkenness has absolutely wrecked their life. It's ruined their life as well as some of their family members' lives, right? And so sin, as we've said many times, sin inevitably leads to destruction, okay? That's what it inevitably, inevitably does. And so walking in the flesh leads to sin and the consequences that those sins have. But walking in the Spirit leads to the fruit of the Spirit, which I'll, I'll go through that again. Uh, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, and so it leads to walking in the Spirit, leads to the fruit of the Spirit, and leads to the consequences that come from the fruit of the Spirit, right? And come from these actions. And so, you know, that, that's, what, that's what we get. What you reap, what you sow, is what you reap. And so what we're, what we're putting out there, that's what we get. There are consequences to our actions. Even as Christians, right, we, we talk all the time about how we're covered by Jesus. His, his grace is covering us, and His mercy is covering us, and I absolutely believe that, and He's our only hope for salvation. I absolutely believe that. But I also know even as Christians, when I'm walking in the flesh, there are consequences for those actions. And God has never promised, He's never said there will be no consequences for your sinful actions. He's never said that. Right, And there are, and we've seen that in our lives and we've seen it in other lives. And so, again, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. There's a, there's a, a pattern in the Bible that talks about this sowing and reaping. And, and, it's, and it's natural and it's right and it's what happens. And so, again, we go back to chapter 5 and we can see this is what the flesh sows and what it reaps, and this is what the Spirit sows and what it reaps. And it's important to remember that. You know, Ryan, um, he, he, he talked, uh, spoke a few Sundays ago, and <clears throat> he said a few things, um, one of which I remember, and it was convicting to me and probably a lot of us. He said, you're in as good a shape as you want to be. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch, right? You're in as good a shape as you want to be, but I agreed with him. And it reminded me of a quote that I heard. Um, you have as much God as you want, Right? You have as much God as you want. What are you sowing into that relationship with the Lord? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying and talking to the Lord? Or are you just kind of satisfied with what you have of Him right now? Are you just satisfied with the relationship right now? Um, unwilling to, to do these things that help that, that, um, that relationship to grow, your, your knowledge of Him to grow, your love of Him to grow. Um, and so it was what he, what Ryan said was convicting to me. And then thinking about this, you have as much God as you want right now um, is is convicting as well. Okay, let's look at verse nine. It's an important verse, one that I've relied on. I feel like a lot, maybe over the last year or two, um, and it, and it's really good stuff. Verse nine says. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Do you ever get tired of doing what's right? Do you ever grow weary in that? Do you ever get tired of, of or weary of not seeing results, maybe? Um, I'm speaking from experience here, I think, um, and, and maybe an ongoing battle for me in my life of, of not growing weary of trying to do good things, of not growing weary of maybe not seeing the results that I want to see, right? But he tells us here, what's he say? He says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I want to I look at this, um, this idea of, of not growing weary and how do we, how do we gain strength so we're going to go to Isaiah 40, uh, 26 through 31. So Isaiah 40, 
26 through 31. See if I can get this not turned all crazy. There we go. Isaiah 40, 26 through 31. Lift up your eyes on high and see um, who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. I want to read that part again. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord or who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm going to go back to this part. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait or hope means to expect. You and I can expect that this verse is true. You, you and I can expect that when God says to us, don't grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We can trust that He means it when He says, in due season we will reap. We're sowing. Some of you are out there sowing good. You're trying to do good things, and maybe you're not seeing the results that you want to see. Trust the Lord that in due season um, there, there will be a harvest for that. Okay, But that going back to Isaiah 40, that word wait, or hope means we can we wait on the Lord. We hope in the Lord. We expect the Lord to do the things that He wants to do. Right? You are only responsible to be faithful. I don't know how many times Lisa has told me that recently over the past few months and six months or whatever. Um, because I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it is easy for me sometimes to grow weary and, and to... to um, to, to feel a little bit weak. And she does an awesome job of saying to me, Kevin, your responsibility is to be faithful to the Lord. So I'm going to say what my wise wife says to me, to you. Your responsibility, Christian, is to be faithful to the Lord. That's, that's what He's called you to do. You do what's right. You do good. You love people. And the results are His. The results are the Lord's. And we can leave that with Him. And we can say, Lord, I, I want to know what you want me to do. I'm, I'm seeking you. I'm following you. I'm going to do these good things. I'm going to work. And I'm going to leave the results to you. And we have the freedom to do that. And I need to remind myself sometimes of that. I have the freedom to say, Lord, the results are yours. Because the reality is, the results are His. Right? If I'm saying that I'm doing good and I'm looking for the harvest... And if it's a good harvest, I want to take credit for it. I don't get to take credit for anything. I don't get to take credit for anything. It's the Lord's work. It's His strength in us. And it's, and it's all reliant upon Him. Our, our job is just to be faithful. And so when, when my wife tells me that, 
sometimes it's like a load gets lifted off of you, right? And you don't feel as weary because you're like, you know what? It is up to the Lord. Um, if, if tons of people get saved, that's up to the Lord. We're going to give Him credit. Tons of people turn their lives to the Lord. That's up to Him. We're going to give Him credit. And so I, I struggle with that. I'll be honest with you, with growing weary. And so it's a good reminder for me, and hopefully it's a good reminder for you. We're responsible to be faithful, and the results are His. And we can leave that with Him, and we can take that burden off, and we can say, Lord, I'm going to be faithful, and then the results are Yours. Okay? Because the promise here is that there will be a harvest in good season. It says, in good season. Another way to look at that is there will be a harvest at just the right time. When the time is right. Just like there's a right time for, for corn to pop up, um, there's, there's a right time for the harvest to happen um, in this regard as well. At just the right time. But whose right time is it? It's not yours and mine. It's not up to us to say, Lord, we've been working, we've been doing this, we've been doing that. Where's the harvest? It's time, it's time, it's time. It's up to the Lord. The timing is His. And you know what? We can trust that His timing is better than ours. And we've talked about that before. He knows, it. He knows everything. We know so little compared to Him. And so His timing is always right. My timing has been wrong so often in my life. right? But His timing is always right. And so, when it says in good season, at the right time, it's the Lord's right time. And you know what else? Who gets to define the harvest? He says here, right? Uh, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Who gets to define what we reap? It's His harvest. It's all His. And so, just a reminder for me and for you, the timing is the Lord's, the results of the Lord's, the harvest or what we reap, that's up to the Lord. And we just, we just remain faithful. We just remain faithful. We rely on Him. We wait on Him. We expect on Him. Expect uh, Him to do the work. Um, and, and it just can take a load off of you to where you don't have to be weary. Okay? Verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Uh, I think sometimes we have more opportunity than we realize to do good to people. Um, sometimes we're looking just for the, the big hitters, the big things, the flashy things to do good, when perhaps sometimes doing good is just saying, saying hi, giving someone a smile, those type of things. We have, we have I think, more opportunity to do good than we realize. Um, when we're focused on ourselves, I know we're going to miss those opportunities, right? When I'm inward focused, I'm looking at myself, I'm missing the opportunities to do good, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Those opportunities are there, but all I'm thinking about is myself, and so I'm afraid I miss those opportunities sometimes. Okay, Selfishness is a blinder to the good works the Lord has prepared for us to walk, to walk in. It, it, selfishness, focusing on ourselves, thinking about what I can get, thinking about what others will do for me, it's a blinder. We can't see these awesome things the Lord has prepared for us to walk in because all I'm thinking about myself, I'm not, all I'm doing is thinking about myself. I'm not looking around and thinking, what can I do for others? How can I do good in this situation? How can I do good in that situation? Selfishness is a blinder to those things. And he says here, this is, this has always been interesting to me and I feel like I'm still kind of working it out, but he says, so then as we have, as we have opportunity, 
let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. I've, I've wondered why especially? Why is that? And there's probably a number of different reasons and we're not going to go through through all of them by any means, and I'm sure I don't even know all the reasons that he says that, but one thing that, it, that I do think is true, let me read John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Listen to this part. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, we want people to know, I want people to know that I'm a disciple of the Lord, I'm a follower of the Lord. And he says in these verses, people will know that you're my disciples by the way that you're loving each other, by the way that you're treating each other, um, by doing good to each other. And so, you know, when someone is, is asked how they know I'm a Christian, I hope that the answer is, well, look at the way that he loves. Is it all the time? No, I don't, I don't imagine and think that it is, right? But I want the answer to be, how do you know Kevin's a Christian? How do you know that? Well, he just, he just loves people. He's, he's doing good to people. And, and look, like he does good, especially to the people like at Eudora Baptist Church. He's loving on them. And it should be the same for you, that when people are, are asked, how do you know that person's a Christian? They can say, they just love, they love each other there at Eudora Baptist Church. They're just loving each other. Okay? It's, it's, it's important. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why he says, especially to those who are of the household of faith, we're supposed to do good to them, especially. The example that that gives to the world looking in is so very powerful. And I think it can be something that entices them to want to at least check us out and at least say, what's going on there? They're really good to each other. And I feel like we have so much of that going on. And so this is not a reprimand type of thing. This is a reminder and an encouragement to continue that, to continue to be good to one another, um, to continue to love on one another like I know you have been and know you are. Um, it, it is important. Okay, so let's look at verse 11. Is It's an interesting verse. Um, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Um, I put the title of this, hopefully you can, you can read it. Um, relieving the uh, amanuensis. That's a word that I, that I learned a while back and I gave it to you, but the amanuensis, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but they were like the scribe. They were the person that maybe Paul would dictate this letter to the Galatians. He would, he would speak it out. And the amanuensis would write it out. And so at this point, Paul kind of um, sets him aside and he starts to write himself, apparently. And he says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Large letters, a lot of, a lot of commentaries I read said that <clears throat> it's likely he's, he's saying, I'm writing in large letters because this is really, really important, what I'm about to say. It was like an emphasis writing larger like when you type in all caps it's like you're yelling at somebody it's it's an emphasis okay and it also provided an authentication that this was a letter from Paul because it would this part at least would have been in his own handwriting so i found that interesting as well so he's kind of like saying hey listen up this is important i'm writing it in my own hand these large letters and verse 12 it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised 
and only in order that they may, uh, may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. This is, it's, such a, it's such a terrible phrase when you really think through it. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. Um, a good showing in the flesh means you're trying to get glory for yourself. Okay, It means that you're trying to get people to think that you're really, really good. And I think it's such a terrible phrase is, is because <clears throat> I feel like this sermon has been like a confession time in some, some ways for me. I struggle with that, and I've told you all that before. Um, I have to continually remind myself, Kevin, it's not about you. It's not about your glory. It's not about what others are thinking about you. It's about the glory of the Lord. And, and the, the people, if, if you go back through Galatians, they were, they were continuing to say that in spite of what Jesus had done, in spite of the work on the cross, they were saying you still had to be circumcised to be a part of this family of God. And Paul has, has railed against that. In Galatians, and he says here they're trying to give a good showing in the flesh. They're wanting others to think that they're really good by hammering on this this circumcision thing. Okay, it's it's a a fake life, um, and it can't be the point of our life. If that's the point of your life, it, it's going to run you ragged of continuing continually thinking of what others are thinking about you, continually trying to convince others that you're good, continually trying to do things for the purpose of convincing people that you're good. That is not the point of life. That is not the point of the Christian. The point of the Christian life, the purpose for us, is to bring glory to the Lord, to bring glory to the one who actually deserves it, to bring, to bring glory to the creator of everything, including us. Okay, and so he's he's kind of hammering them and saying they're they're trying to give a good showing in the flesh. Again, it's fake and it can't be the point of our lives. And he says another thing about them in this in this verse to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So they were continuing on this line of thinking with with circumcision and kind of forcing it on people and acting like it was part of salvation um, he says to, to make a good showing in the flesh and also to avoid persecution, to avoid those who would, who would put them down if they said, you know what, that's not true anymore. Jesus is the way. Jesus is all we need. Okay, they were trying to avoid being persecuted. So here's, here's one of my, maybe I haven't had that many hard questions today. I don't think, I think I've been pretty nice, but um, here's a hard question for you. Um, what are you willing to do to remain comfortable. What are you willing to do to remain comfortable? Are you willing to hide your faith? Are you willing to close your mouth when it's time to open it and proclaim the Lord Jesus? Are you willing to um, not worship together because you're afraid what someone might think? Are you willing to um, keep your hands folded when you know like the Lord He's calling you to raise your hands in worship because you're scared of what someone might think. What are you willing to do to remain comfortable? Um, that's a hard question. Um, but I don't want to be like these people. I don't want to be like these people who are um, trying to put a good showing in the flesh and trying to live their life in such a way as to avoid persecution. Okay, they they were they were they were avoiding um, the truth of God. They were they were willing to neglect 
and forget about the truth of God and not proclaim that just so that they would be comfortable and not be persecuted. I don't want to be like that. And I don't want you to be like that. So I hope that there's very little that you would say, I'm willing to do very little to, to remain comfortable. I'm willing to be bold for Jesus. I'm willing to, to tell anybody about Him at any time is what I hope your answer will be. And to tell them the full truth. Verse 14 is awesome. Um, let me read through. Third. For even those who are circumcised, circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so they were, they were hypocrites looking for glory. Um, by their by their emphasis on circumcision. Verse 14, Paul says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The cross is all that matters. And Paul, is, he's emphasized, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's his way of saying there is nothing to brag about. There's nothing to focus on. There's, there's no other point except for the cross of Jesus Christ. When we feel like bragging about ourselves, or we feel like bragging about something good we've done, it should be a trigger to remind us that, you know what, it's not about me. It is about Jesus and the cross. That's how I'm saved. That's how I have the strength to do what I do. Um, it's about Jesus. And I, I, a broken record. I get it. I, I am a broken record up here saying it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Um, but you know what? It's about Jesus. And so what, what else are we going to say? It is about Jesus. And Paul says that I'm not going to boast in anything else. Nothing else is, is worth boasting. The only thing we can boast in and we can do is point, point others to Jesus and to, to the cross. He says in there, um, our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which uh, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If you're crucified to the world, it, it means you're dead to the world. And so you're, you're dead to what others say matters most, what the world says matters most. Um, you're dead to the flesh, and we've been talking about the flesh, and walking in the flesh, and, and following the fleshly desires. We're dead to that. Um, we're dead to made-up religion. Um, they, were, they were continuing to focus on um, the, the rules and the regulations of Christianity instead of putting the focus on Jesus, and, and we're dead to that. As, as Christians, we're dead to that. We're, we're alive in Christ, alive to Christ, alive for Christ. And so we're dead to that. We're dead to anything but Jesus and what He wants. And so it's a, it's a very singular focus, which is good for me. I'm simple. I, I need a singular point of focus. And that's what we have with, with Jesus and the cross. And we're just dead to everything else. It's those other things don't matter to us. We are dead to those things. Verse 15 is also awesome. He says, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So when he says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, he's saying that doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. It is about Jesus, and then he makes us a new creation. And, and if you know me, you know this is one of my favorite verses, and so there's no way I'm not going to read it today. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, if you have put your trust in the cross of Christ, right? If you've done that, the Bible says you are a new creation. You are not the same person you were before you were in Christ. You are a new creation. And you go back over to Galatians and he says, that's what matters. It's not about doing this or doing that or following this rule or following that rule. It's about being a new creation in Christ. He's going to boast in nothing but the cross. And what we get in the cross and through the cross and through the work of Jesus is we get to be a new creation. And, and that's amazing. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. When I, when I started to figure that out and learn about our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ, other than my salvation was the second kind of biggest revelation in my life to who we are as Christians and how we're supposed to live this life. It was freedom. It was joy. It was peace. Because it's like it's, it was something that inside I knew I will never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. And when you, but when you read the word, he says, that's fine. It's not about you. It's about being a new creation. And I think that's awesome. We're creations that God accepts and he loves. We're creations that are made for heaven. This is not our home. This is a, a stop, a pit stop, and we are made for heaven. That's who we are. And this is what matters. Okay, this is what matters. And I love that. So let's finish out the chapter and then, then we'll be done. Um, verse 17 is, is interesting. Oh, I'll read through. Um, he says, uh, nothing nor circumcision but a new creation, verse 16. And as far as all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Okay, verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I was looking up kind of into looking into this verse a while back and and that word marks um oftentimes it was the word or, or it signified when someone had had a slave they would mark them in a certain way um they would have a mark on them and it's like this, this is my property which is unfortunate and terrible but paul is using that in a way and saying i bear on myself the marks of christ um second corinthians eleven twenty four and 25 Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night. Shipwrecked a night and a day. I was drift, adrift at sea. Um, Paul had some, I would imagine, some physical scars. And he's pointing that out here. I think he's saying, I've got on my, myself the marks of Jesus. I am his. I am the slave of Jesus. I am fully and completely His to do with me as He wants, to lead me where He wants me to go. And that's what I want to be. I want to be, I want to be fully and completely Jesus's, and I want that for you as well. Because there's no better life for you. There's no better life for me. There's no better purpose for you, no better purpose for me than to be fully and completely abandoned to the control of Jesus in our life. Right, that's why we always go to this verse and, and how we describe this verse, Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, He's the Lord over you, He's your Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be a new creation. You will be something that you can't attain or achieve on your own. You will not be perfect, but you will be accepted. 
You will not be perfect, but you will be righteous. You will not be perfect, but you will be a child of the King and the Creator of the universe if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. So Galatians is amazing. Galatians is awesome. I would encourage you to go back through and read it. We really just did a part. We did kind of the second half of Galatians 5 and 6, but um, I, I would go back and read it. Um, I love you all. I hope you, you are hanging in there. I hope you're, you're staying strong. I hope, again, you're, you're doing good for each other, loving on each other. And So I'm going to pray, and then we'll close. God, thank you for the day. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for how awesome you are. I pray that you will lead us, guide us, and direct us. I pray that you will help me with the things in this sermon, Lord God, that convict my own heart. Lord God, help us not, help me not to grow weary, Lord God, of doing good. Help us not to um, put a show on for others, Lord God, so that they think that we're awesome. Help us not to remain comfortable, Lord God, and avoid being bold for you just so that we're not persecuted like the people he spoke of in this chapter. Lord God, guide us, lead us, and direct us. Give us boldness. Give us strength. Lord God, we wait on you. We put our hope in you. We expect, uh, we expect you to do great things, Lord God, and we wait on those, and we love you. Lord God, you are awesome, and we praise you. I pray that you will be with everyone listening to this. I pray that you'll touch them. I pray that you'll convict hearts who need to be saved, Lord. And just help us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. See you soon.